today on It's Time. Somebody might ask the question, well, if the devil knows the Bible and he knows Revelation, why doesn't he just cry uncle and we're all out of here? I hear the calling, it's time. Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler, pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today, he's going verse by verse through the book of Revelation. So turn there in your Bible as we join Pastor Mike. And if you have your Bible this morning, I'd like to invite you to open them to the book of Revelation, chapter 20. This is one of the grand chapters, I believe, in the Bible, because the enemy of all mankind is finally destroyed. We're going to talk a little bit about that today. Jesus said, Rejoice not that you have power over the devil, but rejoice that your name is written in the book of life. Why does he write that? Because we're not to be taking on the devil. You know, you see a lot of the TV evangelists, we're going to jump on the devil. And they're up there jumping up and down and doing weird, crazy, squirrely stuff. But that's Jesus said, don't do that. In fact, we find in the book of Jude as well. Michael, when he was in contention over Moses' body, did not bring railing accusation against the devil. He just said, the Lord rebuke you. That's really all we as Christians have to say to the devil. Some of the best advice I can give anybody, always keep Jesus between you and the enemy. Revelation chapter 20. Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit, and a great chain in his hand. I don't know what kind of chain this is, but it's going to be a really unique one. Because this chain is not just a chain that you put on a gate. This chain is to bind Satan for a thousand years. What kind of a chain is it that binds the devil? I don't know. But whatever it is, it's going to be strong enough to hold him for almost a thousand years. And he laid hold of the dragon, that serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years, and cast him into the bottomless pit, shut him up, set a seal on him, so that no one would, so he would not deceive the nations anymore until the thousand years were finished. But after these things, he must be released for a little while. Now you'd say, "Wow, finally a world without the devil." You know, it's interesting when uh, they went to the moon. The very first thing that, I don't know if you remember that day that our astronauts landed on the moon, but the very first thing, they began to read the Bible. And I thought, what a strange thing, because the prince of the power of the air is bound to this earth. But when they went to the moon, the very first thing happened was that there was a a renewing of a relationship with God insomuch that they read the Bible. One of the first things that were broadcast from the moon was the Bible being read. I thought, that is so amazing to me. We don't really realize what a formidable enemy we have in this earth called the devil. The devil comes in various forms. He doesn't come in a red suit with a pitchfork selling fireworks on the 4th of July. That's a lot of times what we always think the devil looks like. If that was the devil, you could spot him a thousand miles away coming at you. But he comes in various forms, shapes. 
And the problem is, without having God in your life, you don't recognize him. This is Satan's strength and man's weakness. But the thing that we have to always remember is this. Greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. So the Bible tells us that when we're in Christ, we have defense against the devil. When we're not in Christ, we don't. You say, what is wrong with the world? Why can't people even see in the political realm, in the, in the uh, personal life realm, that what we are doing is killing us? The Bible says the God of this world, Satan, has blinded their eyes. Now, how powerful is that darkness? Well, friends, again, he's called the prince of the power of the air. He's called the God of this world. And unless we truly understand who God is, we'll never truly recognize what the devil is and what he's doing. That's why people, you can talk to people that are not born again, who do not have the, the spirit of Christ living within them. And the, by the way, the reason they don't is they haven't asked Christ to be in their life. Do you know your lifestyle is killing you? And they'll say, yes. And you'll say, do you want to stop? They'll say, yes. Will you stop? No. Why? The God of this world has blinded their eyes. That's one of the reasons why when I believe that when we pray for our lost loved ones, brothers, sisters, moms and dads, aunts and uncles, best friends, college uh, co-roomies and all those kinds of things, when we pray for them to get saved, the Bible says the God of this world has blinded their eyes. I always ask God, bind Satan from their mind, from their eyes, so they can see the great deal that Jesus Christ offers them. Uh, Imagine... God offering to have your past wiped out, obliterated. That's why people get drunk. By the way, getting drunk, getting loaded, getting stoned, that is symptomatic. The problem is sin, and our sin follows us. That's why people get stoned. They're trying to forget their past. Well, God forgives us of our past. Where I can look at my past and say, yeah, it was dark, it was bad, but it can't hurt me anymore. That's what God does. That's what the message of of salvation is. We've been separated from our past. But not only that, but we now look at a risen Savior. And I believe that's why we have new promises every morning. And so it isn't just being saved from our sins, but now we have a real reason to live, something that's going to last forever. So the devil, very powerful, very, uh, very much a, a, a player in this world right now. But for anybody that's in, involved in the occult, uh, Ouija boards, Wiccan, or anything else listening around the world on the internet, you are serving a loser He's going to lose in the end. The Bible says he will not win. Now, the Bible is always the standard. It's the anvil that's worn out many hammers. And so as we look at this, what the Bible says is going to be the ultimate outcome of the world and our enemy, I think we need to take to heart. It's time to switch sides. If you've been playing on the wrong side of the fence, it's time to get right with God. So he says... God's going to cast him into a bottomless pit and shut him up and put a seal on him so he should not deceive the nations anymore. Notice that his purpose is to deceive nations. You want to know what's wrong with the world? You, you see all the crazy things. You see political parties that believe that slaughtering babies is cool. And you say, what's wrong with you? The God of this world has blinded their eyes. 
The devil has been deceiving people since the very beginning. God said, you can eat of any tree in the garden. Just don't eat of the tree in the midst of the garden. Now we're going to have a different world than we had before. Oh, oh, people will still be what they are. This is why uh, Jesus said in John chapter 3, Marvel not that I say to you, speaking to a religious leader of the day, Nicodemus. By the way, he came to him at night. Why did he come to him at night? I don't know. Maybe he got off at 5 o'clock and they didn't have daylight savings time. Or maybe he was just too embarrassed to come during the day when people would see him coming to somebody that was really an outcast to the religious system of the day. Jesus did not get along well with religion. He got along great with people. The Bible says he came to him at night asking him about eternal life. And Jesus said, marvel not that I say to you, you must be born again. Why did he say that? Because there's something wrong with humankind. Now, the reason I preface this is because as we read the rest of Revelation, you're going to find Jesus Christ reigning from Jerusalem in a perfect world, perfect environment, perfect food, perfect everything. And at the end of the thousand-year reign of Christ, The Bible says as sand is on the seashore, they come against him to destroy Jesus. Why is that? Because it's not within man to live righteously, the Bible says. And why does it say that? Because there's something wrong with us. It got broken in the garden. We broke fellowship with God and we've been in enmity with God ever since. That's why the Bible says, Jesus said, you must be born again. It's not an option like, well, would you like white walls on that new car? No, he says you must be born again. You must have water in your radiator, okay, in your car, okay? You must be born again. And if you're not born again, you're still in darkness, and the old sin nature still reigns, regardless of your environment. We inherited an old sin nature, that rebellion against God. And that, friends, is what you, me, we all deal with. And we don't have any help until we come to Christ. The Bible says, greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. So we need God's help to, first of all, help us identify the devil. Second of all, to be separated from his power. And third, to be loose, to be about our father's business. And see, the thing is, we can't do that on our own. All the psychology, all the self-help, all the self-realization, you name it, that's out there, it's not going to change the ultimate problem. So, Satan's locked up. Yay, gone for a thousand years. Notice it says he must be released for a little while, last part of verse 3. Why is that? We're going to talk about that as we get a little farther up here. And I saw the thrones, and they who sat on them, and judgment was committed to them, And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their witness to Jesus and for the word of God, who had not worshipped the beast or his image, had not received his mark on their foreheads or on their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. Interesting, we find uh, these uh, mentioned way back in Revelation chapter 6, verse 11, where it says they were found under the altar. Notice it says they were beheaded for their faith. Uh, This uh, word in the Greek simply basically executed, but it it leans this way of being beheaded. I 
I, I, I guess only can think of one particular religion in the world right now that is going around cutting people's heads off if you don't follow Allah. Uh, but uh, this is just something that's an interesting note here. And it says, for their witness of Jesus and for the word of God. You know, God's word's powerful. You know, it's really funny. The devil is so scared of the Bible. He really is. Somebody might ask the question, well, if the devil knows the Bible and he knows Revelation, why doesn't he just cry uncle and we're all out of here? I think it's a pretty good idea myself. But why? Well, I believe it's simple. Pride blinds anyone, anything to reality. You can talk to an alcoholic and you can talk to them and you can say, again, do you know what you're doing is killing you? Yes. Do you want to stop? Yes. Will you stop? No. Why? Pride blinds them to their own death wish. The Bible tells us in Isaiah 14, Satan was beautiful in all of his ways. He was the cherub that covereth. And then the Bible says that that pride entered his heart and he lost who he was. And he said, I'll ascend and be as the most high God. What's wrong with that? Well, first of all, that's like a Ford Pinto going to the Ford Motor Company saying, I'm in control now. No, you're the real problem of a lot of lawsuits. I don't know if you know about Ford Pintos. They had kind of a thing of blowing up, you know, one of those things. A created thing never is greater than the creator. But pride blinds somebody to that. That's what happened with the devil. Now, some people ask the question, what caused that pride? I don't know exactly, but whatever it was, the Bible says a third of the stars fell with Lucifer. Now, we know in the congregate of heaven... There's varying powers of angels. There's the mighty angels. There's the Michaels and the Gabriels. We know that there are warring angels. We know that there are messenger angels. The Bible speaks of guardian angels. The Bible speaks of of messenger angels. All kinds of, in this host of heaven. The Bible says a third of the stars fell with Lucifer. I don't know what it was, but there's a lot of verses that might give us a little bit of a clue. And that pride thing, and the number of angels that rejected uh, Christ and went along with Lucifer, the Bible says that God made you and me, humans, lower than the angels. I don't think that bothered the devil at all. But then the Bible says God's going to elevate mankind above the angels. What? A creation that's going to be made lower than us, but eventually then made greater than us? Whatever it was, the Bible says pride was the trip switch that hit Satan in Isaiah 14. And this is where he rebelled against God. Furthermore, we find in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, do you not know that someday you will judge angels? Wow. Someday you're going to judge an angel. Now, I don't believe it's talking about good angels here. I believe it's talking about the bad angels. Those angelic beings, fallen angelic beings, that have tripped mankind up since the beginning, we're going to judge them for what they did to humankind. I don't know all that what that war was about in heaven, but I have, I believe personally it had something to do with us, where the Bible says those that love God, this new lower creation, those that have chose to love him, having never seen him and not ever sawing the majesty of God is as all the angels, Lucifer and all those. We've never seen that. All we've been told is there's a place far away that we've never seen. 
And if you choose to accept him as your Savior, he will take you to this place. And so by faith, we humans step out and say, okay, God, I've never seen your majesty. I've never even met you in person. I hear you have a beautiful place. And yes, I will choose to go with you. The Bible says, I will make you my bride. Wow. We go from just a lower creation to the bride of Christ. Friends, that's incredible. Now, if that's not enough to trip Satan's switch, I don't know what is. But the Bible tells us that he was in rebellion to God and hates human beings. Always remember, Satan, the demons, hate humans. Oh, you know, this person, he got involved with heroin and he's doing so well. His life shines so great. No, they're usually in a gutter someplace, face down. Oh, this person, ever since he started drinking three six-packs a day, he's doing so good. No, he doesn't even know where the door is. See, the devil wants to destroy human beings. I don't know what it is. There's something about the devil and his demons that hate us. So that's why we need to be real careful never to play into the hand of the devil. He's out there. He's real. But always remember... Greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. So we remember the demons, the devil, and the Antichrist, and the false prophet launching this slaughter attack against people who love God and love his word. Well, again, that word, strong and powerful, more than any two-edged sword. Verse 5, but the rest of the dead did not live again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Now, here's something important to remember. You as a Christian, we're waiting what's called the caught up. Moment, twinkling of an eye, Paul tells us we're going to be transported to be with him in the air. The dead in Christ rise first, then we catch up with him and we go to be with the Lord. The Bible talks about a judgment seat that we as Christians will stand in front of. Now, not the white throne judgment to determine whether you're a believer or not. But the judgment seat that we stand in front of is what's called the Bema seat judgment. It's a different word in the Greek. It's not referring to the white throne judgment. And this is where Paul says we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Some in the white throne judgment, some in the Bema seat judgments. People say, well, what's the Bema seat judgment? The Bema seat judgment is the reward seat. We remember the stories that Jesus gave about the man who had given to his servants Ten talents and five talent and one talent. What did you do with it? The guy that went out had ten, made ten more. The guy that had five made five more. The guy that had one was unfaithful in what he had. The point is, those translated, Jesus said, you've been faithful in that. Be the ruler over ten cities. You see, what we do, I believe, is what's going to determine what position we're going to hold, not only in God's kingdom, but then forever. Everybody living today is determining what position you're going to have in eternity. Wow, that's pretty neat. That's why there's no room for suicide in the believer's life, because you're determining what position you're going to have forever. Now, he says, he saw this, and Satan is locked up for a thousand years, and then the rest of those that die. Now, the Bible tells us, and there's sporadic words throughout the entirety of the Bible, of what this millennial reign of Christ is going to be like, this thousand-year reign of Christ Jesus from Jerusalem, says there's not going to be any more war. 
Now, that doesn't mean on this earth, when you have the world populated, there's not going to be disagreements, but there's not going to be war like we've known. I believe this is part of what your position will be in the millennial reign as being his ambassadors and his peacemakers. We know that there's going to be a change in the way that animals relate to one another. The Bible tells us that the, the, uh, the uh, sheep and the wolf will feed together, both right now and be an enemy. Um, that lions will, will turn back into vegetarians again. Now, it may very well be that when Jesus makes the world new again, because the Bible says he restores the earth. And why is that necessary? By the end of the tribulation period, it's pretty much wasted. Two-thirds of the world's population is dead. Every living thing, uh, every living thing in the sea has died. Uh, all the green grass is burned up. So he makes things new. He re- kind of restores it back like the Garden of Eden again. And so because he does that, I, I believe that probably the nutrients in the, in the plants and all the things, it's going to change the way the world eats. It's going to change the way the world believes, too. The Bible says if you don't pl- come and play, uh, pay homage to Christ in Jerusalem, Israel, um, no rain will fall on your land. There's going to be a universal, global understanding of the majesty of God. Jesus himself will reign from Jerusalem, the Bible tells us, for a thousand years. Perfect world. Then the Bible tells us that... Um, People are going to die during this time. They said a person that dies at 100 years old will be considered a child. Imagine being able to pay your house off before you die. Isn't that cool? Well, you think about it for a minute. We realize how, how short life is. You know, I, I don't know if you've noticed this as you get older. The older you get, the faster time goes. You know, and I've shared this many times, I still am overwhelmed by how quickly my house payments come now. They come, seem to come every day. Now, it's really a month, but it seems like it's every day. When I was five years old, five minutes in the corner was like 5,000 years. Now five minutes is uh, just what it takes me to put my shoes on. You know, it's when you're putting your shoes, you ever notice that when you're putting your shoes on, you get down there and you pick them up, and while you're down there, you're going, what else can I do while I'm down here? You know, because it's a long way down. Well, the thing is, as we get older, we realize that time goes faster. God doesn't live in time like we do. He lives in all times present. The Bible says he's Alpha and Omega, beginning and the end, first and the last. I don't know anything like that. Everything I know has a date attached to it. But God's going to do that. Well, if a person dies at 100 years old and is considered a child, a person, they will, people will die during the millennial reign of Christ. The Bible says they don't live again until the thousand years is up. If there was ever a place for soul sleep, this would be the only place that I can see it in the Bible is for people who die during the millennial reign of Christ. Because they don't get their, in other words, if you're during the millennial reign of Christ, you don't die and then just kind of pop back out of the ground and here I am ruling and reigning with Christ. Those that are part of the first resurrection, the rapture, I believe you're going to be really blessed. Blessed, but the rest of the dead, they don't live again until the thousand years is up. Blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection. Over such the second death has no power. But they 
shall be priests of God, of Christ, and shall reign with him a thousand years. That's your purpose. That's your part right now. Uh, Of course, the new Jerusalem is coming when this old world finally burns away. Now, when the thousand years have expired, Satan will be released out of his prison. Wow, why would God do that? Uh, Living in a perfect world with everything great, and now Satan is... You know what's really weird? Is that people have had to live righteously. They didn't have a choice. And you know, God doesn't want robots. So he gives everybody on this earth a choice. Did you serve me? Did you love me because you love me or because you enjoyed the benefits of my reign on this earth? Thanks for joining us on It's Time as Pastor Mike teaches verse by verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening and tune in next time for It's Time.